I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody pain. We will strive for the detoxification of the Let me put it to you. Justin Bieber. Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. It is time to draw him I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? We're heading back to peak. What the fuck is going on? Nobody knows in this country who is in any of the most senior jobs in the government. We had a Home Secretary who went, So what if we broke the law? I hate the law. It's full of vegans. I can deport whoever I like, whenever I like. I could send people to Venus if I want. Don't you know who I am? And then she told the police to ban a march because everyone on it was full of hate. And the police said, we can't do that. So she said, well, we've got to stand fully behind our great British police force, which is why I'm telling the police they can fuck off the woke transgender Nazi constabulary. And then she said the homeless were homeless on purpose as a lifestyle choice. I've just moved into a wonderful doorway outside Boots. It's got so much potential and I only ever use fennel-based methadone from Planet Organic. And she was crying out to be sacked. So if Sunak hadn't sacked her, this week she'd have paid the KKK to organise London's New Year fireworks, ending with burning crosses outside the Tina Turner musical, and ordered the SAS to attack Black Friday because it was encouraging hatred of white days. And resignation letters used to go, Prime Minister, this is with great sadness that I can no longer serve, but it has indeed been an immense honour. But now they go, Prime Minister, it's with great sadness that I find you're still alive, you fucking traitor. So I, for one, am sick of these types with their foreign backgrounds living in this country, can't keep down a job. When they get the sack, they blame everybody else. They break the law and insist it's the courts that have got it wrong. They're innocent. And then you cheer on the day there was a photo in the Daily Telegraph of her being taken on a plane to Rwanda. But then Sunak had to go, who else can I make minister? Oh, fucking hell. They're all mental. So he has to go back to David Cameron, which is like quick fit saying you've got a bald tyre. So they replace it with one that went bald seven years ago and they have to drag it out of a skip at the back of Morrison's. And it wouldn't be surprising now to find out the Minister of Health is Pete Doherty and the Minister of Education is Gary Glitter and the Minister of Housing is Benjamin Netanyahu and the Minister for the Environment is Fat Terry who will dump your fridge in a kid's playground for a fiver. And they all hate each other, so it's like a Mexican standoff at the end of a Western, except instead of three bandits pointing guns at each other, there's Johnson and Truss and Cummins and Braverman and Sunak and Morden and 145 others, all issuing statements that all the others are arseholes. And the bloke who started all this has now been brought back as foreign secretary. And the bloke who caused it is being paid one and a half million pounds to go on I'm a Celebrity. And I happen to think that's fine, as long as he has to go to Australia by dinghy. And when he gets there... Ant and Deck will be waiting on the beach, screaming at him through a megaphone. There's another one, look, swarming over here for his easy money. And so they send him to Rwanda as well. Hey, 
This week, as the driving force for change in the Conservative Party, Rishi Sunak showed his determination to break with the past by bringing back David Cameron. What does ex-Tory MP Nadine Boris think of this decision? Nadine, are you pleased that Rishi Sunak has brought David Cameron back into the Cabinet? Pleased? With Rishi Sunak? Are you joking? That short-ass little shithouse could have brought back Boris! The greatest human being what's ever lived. But oh no, he's only gone and brought back David fucking Cameron. It's like when Smelly Sue got back together with Kev from the garage after she dumped him seven years ago because he was shagging all her friends. Mind you, even he never shagged a pig. And what do you think of the fact that David Cameron has been appointed to the House of Lords? Well, there you go. That sums up everything that's wrong with this country. An unelected Prime Minister has chosen someone who nobody voted for and put them in the House of Lords. And that someone should have been me. It's like that time when there was a lock-in at the Eagle and tight-ass Jimmy was allowed in just because he's a privileged posh boy who eats with a knife and fork. But I'm from a council estate, so I had to sit outside by the bins drinking dregs from the empties. So who do you blame for the Tories' current predicament? seriously asking me that? Have you not read me fucking book? It's all about this secret cabal that runs the Tory party. Oh, it's dead clever in that because I've given them all code names like Michael Stove so no one will know who I'm talking about. The whole thing is a conspiracy and if you don't believe me, explain this. If I'm so mad, how come David Icke agrees with me? You shithousey little shithouse. Oh what the fuck, oh what the fucking fuck is going on? Now, you can't work out, we know this by now if you listen to this podcast, you can't work out what the fuck is going on without expert advice. Sometimes you need more than expert advice. You need statistical cricket expert advice. Luckily, I've got someone with me who can provide both of those things. Mr. Andy Zaltzman. Hello, Mark. How are you? Looking as if you're surrounded by um, all sorts of books and statistical uh, shenanigans. Well, this is my office shed at home which is well it is full of old cricket books most of which i've never read and random um assorted junk so yes so and lot yeah just numbers in the air basically i'll just breathe them in <laughs> and i'll breathe them out and that's uh, basically all i need to do <laughs> they do look lovely of old cricket my favorite old cricket book i've got is one that was um it cost me a bit but i just i'm glad i got it i got glad i got it for this one line in particular it was wg grace's it's an edition for about 1900 wg grace's guide to young boys on playing cricket and it starts off with his 10 top tips and number seven i believe is do not go out to bat while smoking a pipe (laughs) well i mean look at old cricket photos there are quite a lot of like the team on the outfield sort of walking out the field and them all just smoking cigarettes. Yeah, so yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe they, they sort of took WG Grace's <laughs> advice on board <laughs> and dispensed with pipes and went for the far healthier yeah, option of the, uh, of the cigarette. Of a Marlboro. <laughs> I think... <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's what they did. Now, there's so many things to... Uh, so many things to discuss. In your... It, in your sort of world as someone who um, you know has often reflected back the absurdities of <laughs> of public life uh, in government circles around the world, uh, do you get to a point now 
where I mean, you know, you know, there's the old thing of the, the old thing Tom Lehrer said that the that satire died the day that Henry Kissinger got the yeah, Nobel yeah. Peace Prize. <laughs> I don't agree with that because I think that that's you know horrific as that was, that was still funny. But the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, what they're doing now, it's much harder because it it is mental, isn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, we have reached a, a pitch of such it's almost remorseless absurdity. And in, in a way, you have to admire the commitment to being, you know, at every stage, taking it a step further, whether it's, yes. you know, Suella Bravman being home secretary in the first place, then being fired, then being reappointed, what was it, less than a week yes. later, um, yes. and staying in post and coming up with more and more outlandish yes. um, uh, uh, policies. And obviously the, the Rwanda thing, no doubt we'll talk about. So, I mean, it's almost, you know, that someone sat down and thought, let's invent something that is so absurd that people assume there must be some sense to it. Because I think that's that's almost yeah, the stage yeah, yeah. we're at, where if you just say something that makes so little sense, then people are tricked into thinking they must be <laughs> yes, missing you get something. People, don't you go, oh, I tell you what they're doing. What they're trying to do here is they're going to try and trick trick Keir Starmer. They're trying to win back the red wall seats. But no, they're not. They're just going. How do we get through the next half an hour? We need another fucking. We need another foreign section. We can't look at this. We can't have any of them for fuck's sake. This this bloke believes in the protocols of the Elder of Zion. Well, what about him? I don't know. No, fucking. What about last year when he was caught in a satanic? Cult. Oh <laughs> fuck around, David Cameron. David Cameron. Well, there's no one else. He's not even in I don't know. Make him a. I don't know. But put him in the Lords. But he, they fucking Brexit and they all hate Brexit. And he goes, oh fucking, they've forgotten which way they voted by now. That it must be just that. <laughs> yeah. So so then so with um so with the uh, the Rwanda thing they they got to so the, the Supreme Court said it was illegal and now hmm. they can't back down on it because then it would. Uh, I guess be even more clear that they'd been pushing this unbelievably ludicrous, impractical, ineffective, and expensive uh, wrong solution to to a, to a, to a problem. Um, and that, so the Cameron thing—that's that's also. It's, I mean, that was quite rare in that it was. It seemed unexpected. Most things you get sort of leaks, yes. leaks, stories and hints, and this seemed to come completely out of the blue. And people saying, "Oh, it's one of the great political comebacks." And I don't think you can call it a comeback because he did nothing to earn that comeback. <laughs> a comeback, you know, is when you sort of you, you step out of it and you work your way back to <laughs> yeah, some yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of. Top. When you think about sporting comebacks, you know, it's not just you know someone who was rightly fired. Then just suddenly being put back in for no reason whatsoever. That's not that's not that's an exhumation yes. more than a comeback. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. At the age of fifty-seven, <laughs> having played their last game when they were twenty-nine, and yeah. then have been an alcoholic and have been in rehab ever since. Like Neil Ruddock suddenly brought back in the England team. What a comeback! I don't know why they picked me. Really, I could fucking barely make it onto the field. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, yes, it is. Yeah, just an, an another another week of utter nonsense in terms of sort of scraping the barrel. And I, I'm not sure that's really an appropriate term because I think the the bottom of the barrel was sort of detonated with some kind of depleted uranium. I don't know, seven or eight yeah, around about the time of Brexit, I think. So I, I'm just yeah, I don't think there's a phrase to to adequately explain the combination of circumstances that led to David Cameron. Making this comeback, and to be fair, he set that in train that that whole kind of I don't know some mm. kind of time travel drama 
but you know, only he could make this sequence of events happen. That in order to have a comeback, he had to fuck things up so badly the first time that things, you know, every other possible alternative had been tried and rejected. So, um, but I do think I mean, I, what was odd about the the reshuffle last week was that. Um, they kept the education secretary in place for, I think, a second consecutive week now. So, I mean, there's uh, at least an element of stability that? in that. Well, I think it's Gillian <laughs> Keegan now. But there was someone who was, I think, was it three days as education secretary during oh, the right. chaos of in- last year. And then they just, I mean, it is, it's quite a difficult job, I imagine, one that requires <laughs> a hell of a lot of expertise. So why not fucking change it every six months? So um, anyway, there you go. That's, that seems, the, that is one of the bizarre things about how politics, I and mean, you look at some lists of, and it's not just the Conservatives, it was true under Labour as well, a lot of the, you know, the really important, apparently quite specialist positions like education secretary, mm. health secretary, Secretary, or, you know, Justice Secretary, whatever, get get churned through, so that just at the moment when someone might be starting to get half a hang of their brief, they're fucked off to somewhere else. But um, some agriculture, anyway. yeah, or yeah, yeah, or made uh, yeah, made Minister for Cheshire or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a promotion. There's um, yeah. It seems very very uh, tricky to to stay on top of what the fuck is going on. I think. Um, and what I don't know, Osborne will he demand Osborne a bit like you know, when a football manager comes in and they demand their own people come in? Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Last get the old get the old gang back together. Um, I don't know what other major um international groups we could put maybe we could pull out of the UN, that could be their next trick. Um, (laughs) or the um, solar system, I think. (laughs) Cameron will go, he'll go, look. Boys, I know I, I know I made a terrible mistake with the last referendum, but we've got a tremendous deal on offer here. <laughs> the only thing is, um, I think we should have a referendum on whether we stay in the solar system. <laughs> now, in particular, I think this could just cross over with the with the Cameron situation. So we were debating earlier, I mean Pete uh, produced the podcast. We were debating earlier. I'm not quite sure at what point Nigel Farage, who's now gone to Australia to be an I'm a celebrity, at what point would he have had his phone confiscated? Because I know they are very effective at keeping people completely cut off from the outside world. I know, you know, as I'm sure you do, <clears throat> a number of people who have been in I'm a celebrity. And it is very effective. You're completely like Sean last year, for example, literally had no idea. One of the only people, British people alive who didn't know that Matt Hancock was going to be in the jungle. So <laughs> he didn't realise until Matt Hancock put, came out of the bush <laughs> and, and was confronted oh, with him. Dear. Now, <clears throat> Farage presumably won't know that Cameron's back in the government. So is he going to be planning because he must be planning what to do at the election and stuff isn't he you know whether to stand again uh, for the reform or whatever he's going to do fuck knows what i don't really care whatever whatever he's going to do but he'll probably be in the jungle there not knowing any of this yeah i mean that's also raised the intriguing possibility that they could just infinitely extend the series for the good of (laughs) for the good of humanity (laughs) that'd be a very you know, be a, a, a good way, a humane way of of um, removing <coughs> Nigel Farage from public life. I think you know, everyone's a winner. So um, it, yeah, and he would love it, wouldn't he? And every night they'd come down. Noi- N- Nigel, it isn't you. <laughs> but uh, I think this has gone on rather longer than the normal series. We're now yeah. in the seventh year. <laughs> the British public had voted to keep you in. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, well, he loves democracy. I'm sure he'd be right, right, right beyond that. <laughs> also, I mean, I guess time. And I've never, I've never done anything like that. But I imagine you know the concept of time must get somewhat warped when you're cut off from reality. And also, just in what you said about Ma- about Matthew Hancock, was it in Australia that was it the, the the one that? Yeah, um, yeah. So mm. I mean, I guess you know if you see here sort of rustling in the undergrowth. And you're thinking, well, it might be a crocodile. Would you be pleased or disappointed if Matt Hancock comes out rather than a crocodile? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, well, crocodiles can be benign when they've just had dinner, haven't they? <laughs> oh, you think, oh, no. And then it turned out the croc. And then you know what? It turned out the crocodile had parceled off contracts worth £25 billion for PPE to all its crocodile mates at the bottom of the swamp. So do you think um, – what do you think Farage is going to do then? Is he going to form another party right. or is he going to join a reform party or is he going to try and take over the Conservatives? He must have a little bit of an inkling of doing that. Well – I don't see why he would restrict himself to just one party. I think it's possible that mm. he could form seven or eight separate parties <laughs> to just and run for all of them, possibly in the same constituencies. I think you know, it's, it, every party gives him more publicity. So if he does them simultaneously rather than sequentially, then he'd basically become, you know, the, the dominant media celebrity in the universe. Possibly, possibly yeah, he could challenge. Yeah. God. Well, the thing is that. The media allows him. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, well, I know this is, sounds like an old liberal thing. People go, the media have let him get away. But there is, for example, the amount of times he's on question time and so on. And, you know, and they, they have allowed him to just do whatever he wants and get away with whatever he wants. And for that reason, I think it's, I've actually put 10 quid on him becoming the Archbishop of Canterbury. It'll just camp up. It'll. <laughs> He'll campaign amongst the general synod, and one or two of them will go. Well, it will bring a certain popularity back to the uh, <laughs> to the ecclesiastical uh, order, and uh, quite quite yeah. possible. Or I think I also. I mean, I think it'd be nice if the the public as a as a whole got to vote for the Archbishop of Canterbury rather than having one <laughs> yet another priest imposed on us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Voted for by a small minority. <laughs> by first past the post on the general yeah. synod. Well, it's not that different to how they pick prime ministers via the Tory membership, is it? I mean, it's, it's, it's probably actually more democratic than the way we pick prime ministers. But, you know, for too long, <laughs> the, the Church of England has had a monopoly on appointing the Archbishop of Canterbury. And I think in a modern democratic <laughs> society, that's unacceptable. <laughs> Finally, so what are you doing at the moment where we can all see? Obviously, we can hear you in the... the Test match commentary team and on News Quiz, no doubt. Uh, news Quiz is off until New Year. Uh, the Bugle run, runs on. We're now into our 17th year, heading towards 600 episodes, I think. Um, and there'll be some live shows of that next year. Uh, so that's uh, mostly it. Um, All right, brilliant. That'll do. Well, the News Quiz in the New Year, the Bugle in its 17th year, and Test cricket that will go on interminably. <laughs> Yeah, Probably enough. long after the human race has died out, there will <laughs> still be so. robots yeah. playing yeah. in a crater somewhere, complaining that, why has that crater been allowed in the World Cup? <laughs> I can imagine, um, I can't really imagine li- life or a universe without cricket, but I can imagine cricket without the rest of the universe. So as long as cricket survives, I'm not too fussed about <laughs> uh, what, what else happens. 
<laughs> what other sport is so deeply involved in such metaphysical conversations? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Samuel don't Beckett was a cricketer. He was, yeah. He played and played, Boris Karloff. Had, uh, Samuel Beckett had an obituary in Wisden. Um, he played he, top professional cricket, he, didn't he? he? Uh, well, not, I don't think he was professional. He played for, I think he played for Trinity College Dublin in uh, <laughs> All right. some first-class grade matches. But I don't think he ever made any money from it. Boris Karloff, in the, the, where my club plays, Boris Karloff played cricket there once in a charity match. And so did uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah, Conan Doyle was a, was a huge... Uh, he got W.G. Grace out in a match, I think. No, did yeah, that's a fact. That's a genuine fact, which, um, yeah. <laughs> I think. I think I'm pretty sure Thank it's a you. fact. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a fact because every week someone on this pod, the guest on the podcast, always brings that up. <laughs> Jenny and Claire wouldn't stop going on about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Andy Zaltzman. Thanks for having me. Oh, what the fuck is going on? If you would like to hear more of that interview with Andy, you can join us on Patreon, where there is an extended version available. And it is thanks to you, wonderful, virtuous, radiant Patreon supporters, that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. Just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com, type in what the F is going on, and for as little as £2 a month. And it's been that for a long while, and with inflation, that is now... Well, it, it tuppence a month, isn't it? You'll get early access to ad-free versions of the regular episodes. So to really, or to really, really find out the internal workings out of what the fuck is going on for just £4 a month, you will get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended versions of the guest interviews with Extra Elliot, and you'll get bonus sketches. For example, this week, there's Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chislehurst Hullabaloo talking about King Charles's 75th birthday. All our Patreon supporters get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait until Saturday mornings, living in the tree, trying to take hallucinogenic drugs that they found from bought from Native Americans to reach the other side so that they can last until Saturday without the podcast that they know is out there somewhere. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. Many people are struggling financially in these difficult times, so we're delighted once again to welcome money-saving expert Martin Sunak to answer all your cost-of-living questions in Saving with Sunak. Welcome once again to my Financial Advice Forum. And with us online, one, I believe, is Alfred. Hello, Alfred. Are you there? Oh, uh, hello, Martin. <laughs> How can I help you today, Alfred? Well, I- I'm ringing up about my friend, really, Martin. He-, he was a warehouse manager for 34 mm. years, but uh, two years ago, he was made redundant and the company moved to Germany. He- he's run mm. out of savings and he's too proud to ask for help and he's on universal credit. You know, he's tried to get a job, but he's in his 60s and it- it's just so sad to see him go downhill. He- he's absolutely bereft. Oh, dear, Alf. I-, I feel your pain. I-, I really do. You know, unemployment isn't just... A financial burden. It's it can also have a terrible strain mentally. But luckily, there is something that you can do now. What I suggest is that you make your friend foreign secretary. Um, I mean, it'll give him a sense of purpose, 
and, and he'll earn a few bob to tide him through the difficult Christmas period. Next on line two. No, 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 no wait, Martin. Sorry, I've answered your question. Uh, hello, is that Steve? Oh, hello, Martin. Um, I'm calling about energy prices, I'm afraid. I know most of your calls may be on the subject right now. You see, I took out a credit card loan last year to, to pay the bills, and now I'm having to pay interest on that loan, and the bills haven't gone down by much, and I'm just getting more and more in, in debt. You know, this is such a common problem, but I always ask the same question, which is, have you thought about changing your provider? Uh, well, I, I, I went online. But, For example, uh, what someone I know did was to sell their 10% stake in British Gas and buy a 15% stake in NPower instead uh, for roughly the same investment. Now, it's already gone up in value by around £80 million, and he received a £2 million bonus as well. And that's coming just in time for Christmas, which, as we know, can be a very expensive time of year. See you next week. Oh, uh, no, oh, but, but, but Martin... It has come to the time of the week in which the country, indeed the world, stops in silence, respectfully, Two minutes, anybody seen to be breaking the silence is then cast out as a pariah in the community because it's the announcements. Uh, oh, God, shockingly, there's like, normally I have to sort of say, oh, I'm going to be in Shrewsbury on this day and I'm going to be in Wrexham on that day, but I'm not going to be. I suppose what you can do is you can come and watch me have radiotherapy, um, which someone... <laughs> A comic who I won't name said, oh, is that where they force you to sit in a room listening to the Now show until you think, oh, I'd better get better. But anyway, that I've got that sorted in a couple of weeks. And, uh, oh, also, here's an announcement. Oh, our, how your ambitions change as time goes on. So I couldn't eat, right? I was having to uh, take in food through this tube, first through my nose, and then they put it in my stomach, and I had to... I have this extraordinary drink that I can't imagine anyone would ever. I mean, the most, uh, I don't know, what's the thing that eats anything? A shark. A shark would see this nutrition drink that you get and go, fuck, I'm not eating that. And it, but it is amazing, this stuff, because it's packed full with all the things you need. And if you can't swallow, then you can pump it into your stomach with this little tube thing. Because I was having to just have that. And that was, uh, you know, that was okay because it was certainly better than having nothing, which I'm told has serious medical consequences to have no input, food, drink or whatsoever. That can that can be quite dangerous, apparently. So I was having to eat through the tube. And then I, I was um, I was sort of given an indication that it could be maybe the middle of next year before I'll be able to eat a proper thing. And I was having these dreams of poached eggs on toast. Anyway, I don't know how, whatever magic it is, probably the good Lord. And over the last few days, I've actually been able to eat again. So, and uh, this morning for the second morning in the row, as I'm telling you this, I had poached eggs on toast. And that is one of the greatest victories in my life. I know we didn't manage to overthrow the iniquities of, the, of society and end imperialism and injustice, but I've been able to have poached egg on toast twice in a row. Twice in a row. They are. Write a placard to demand that. <coughs> also, we have got a whole load of people on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. Alan Stowell, thank you for your question, Alan, says, 
Now that Cameron is wandering around number 10, can we expect Truss to make a comeback looking for pork markets? Yes, we can. Truss, and then when that goes wrong, Major, and then I suspect we'll end up with Anthony Eden, and, and then Keir Starmer will think, this will work, and Ramsay MacDonald. That's what I think will happen. I think Truss... Trust definitely thinks she, in her head, she thinks she's going to be prime minister again, doesn't she? She really, she really thinks, like some boxer who's 74, who goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'm still, I'm going to come back. I could take Fury. He's an idiot. I think she's like that. Although even, <laughs> you have to go, you were prime minister for six weeks. You killed the queen and bankrupted the economy, you fuckwit. But, you know, we live in challenging times, so maybe she will. Martin Edwards says, Hi, Mark. You and Kate Robbins were correct 12 months ago. Now, I couldn't remember in which way we were correct, although I don't doubt we were. And then Martin goes on to say, The makers of I'm a Celebrity did find someone a whole lot worse than Matt Hancock this time round. What Bush Tucker trial would you set for Farage? No, none. He wants it. He knows what he's doing. He knows that if he's sitting there going, well, you know, I tell you what, I don't always agree with, uh, I don't, I've not always agreed with the policy of immigration, but on the other hand, I'm certainly fascinated to suck the piss out of a cockroach. And people go, oh, I tell you what, I know, fairy, I don't think that this is going to be good. Don't think, oh, I'm going to vote for him. I'm going to vote for him every night. To put a worm down his up his nostril, and that'll teach him to take us out of a growing, economically vibrant trading block. Don't think that. Don't fucking. You know what would be brilliant? I know I'm not. I'm not suggesting there's a boycott or anything like that. But if just magically it happened that the viewing figures were the lowest ever because people just can't stomach Farage, and he just. And then he, he was on it and he did the most amazing task ever. And he climbed up a 400-foot tree because one of the other people on it, I don't know, the woman out of Dynasty or something, one of those people is the other one. What's the other one? That one of them's on it and he saves her life and he's amazing and he delivers the most articulate speech ever. And every single night, he eats, he, he eats an entire live crocodile while it's flat and not one fucking person watches it. So it's all done for nothing. That would be the best thing that could possibly, possibly happen to him other than a mishap with the crocodile. What the fuck is going on? Anyone who has ever, ever dedicated themselves to the task of finding out what the fuck is going on, knows that you need the assistance of people who are roughly 35 years younger than you. Otherwise, you haven't got a chance. That is why, at that age, I bred Mr. Elliot still, and now he's here to enlighten us. How are you this morning, this afternoon? Very good. Very good, thank you. <clears throat> First question, then. Um didn't see you a lot of the weekend. Which of the demonstrations did you go on? Were you on the uh, the big one? I was, I was defending our sovereignty. Or were, you, were you defending the statues I was, from I people was, I, I, made, I made sure. And let me tell you, no Muslims got near that Paddington Bear statue at Paddington <laughs> Station. 
but you have me to thank for that. <laughs> Best I Prime bet. Minister we've ever had. <laughs> I bet there were people around it. <laughs> we're not going to let them take you, Paddington. <laughs> what do you mean he's an immigrant? <laughs> Peruvian fucker. Uh, take um, his hat off. No, I, I thought the whole... I. I think the whole thing's very sad, so I'm finding it funny as a way to cope with it. But I, I understand the protecting of statues before any. But I, the people who do it, I think, are silly. I think it's stupid. I think when people go, "Oh, but it's honouring our war dead," it's like, well, they don't really matter anymore because they're dead. That's how death works. You die and you don't matter. That's the reality of the situation. That so seems a bit harsh. No, but I think if there is an afterlife, I don't think anyone who's in internal paradise goes, oh, they're doing what to that statue of me? You're up there in heaven. You're having fun. You, d- you don't care what's happening on this planet. But I think you sort of have to live within the present. On that, I'd say people have a right. I don't particularly care if someone, if I have a grave when I die and someone goes and smashes up the grave, I don't care because I'm dead. It doesn't matter. But to the people around who care about me still, it matters. Do you see what right. I'm saying? Yes. But if you've been dead if you've been dead for three hundred years and the reason the statue is up is because you were a prominent person in the town on account of having organized the slave trade from it, then you could see why people want to bring down the statue, can't you? Yes, but I also that's, think that's how not many the Colston family. When, I don't think. When, okay, oh I, I, dear old great great I, great 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 uncle fucking Edward. They're not thinking that, are they? I no. I I'm I'm not saying that I I'm I'm saying that I understand both sides. So I understand why you keep that statue there, but I also I'm not going to stand there and scream because someone tore a statue down, right? I'm not going to go fucking mental about it because I'll probably walk past the statue 50 times and not look at it and stare at my phone instead because the internet is more interesting than that statue. That's that's the reality of the statue. Which statue? All right, well, I walk past in London all the time loads of statues and I've I never read one. I walk past that big fountain in Piccadilly Circus. I couldn't tell you what that's for. Eros. Right, I've no idea what that's about. <laughs> Good on it. But... <laughs> You know, fair play to it for existing. I think that going and spraying spray paint in a war memorial Mm. is also very fucking stupid thing to do when you're on a demonstration Mm. because you know it's going to piss off a load of people. And you're not doing it for any other reason. I can understand why people who... Who does that, though? I've seen seen it happen loads. I've I've been on demonstrations where people have done it. Well, people have spray-painted a war memorial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They did it. uh, When I was, uh, people wrote, when I was on a Black Lives Matter (laughs) demonstration, people spray-painted BLM over a a memorial about people who died in... uh, in uh, w- when we were at war with Russia in the 1800s, like the child, like the, they spray painted it. They spray painted <laughs> the like Crimean War, the Crimean War, and I looked at that and I thought, that's really fucking stupid. Why have you done that? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't need that, that. that. That's nothing. That's not helping your cause. No, that's just that's just making this. Synon- but I don't syn- think that many people, in if any, of the hundreds of thousands that were went on the demonstration that was calling for the most part calling for a ceasefire. 
um, on Gaza. I don't think many of them were thinking, oh, and when it gets about two-thirds of the way around, I'm going to nip off, break through the security ranks, go up to the cenotaph and spray paint something on on the wall. No, Memorial. I don't I, know. I agree. But- I don't think most people do think that, <clears> but you have to realise that when that amount of people come together, you are all held responsible as a collective. It's the same way as a football fan. Most England fans don't throw deck chairs at French families, but some do. So yeah. all England fans now get punished because you behave like that, because you're now you're behaving as a collective. The same oh, way like school. Jeff, someone should stand in front of the square and go, you're all staying with all oh, you might now because you threw that fucking deck chair and yeah, pissed in that- the fountain and fucking <laughs> sh- and shoved a baguette up your ass and lit it and goes, take this, you fucking General de Gaulle. Now we've all got to stay behind. But also, also, the, the, like, I, I don't have, I, I can also empathize with people who've gone to defend the statue because they're, They've been sold this idea that the cover the country's sovereignty has been taken, right? So they're doing what they think is the correct thing, which I don't know why they're going about it in that way. And, and Tommy Robinson's the biggest charlatan. There's a really good, if anyone wants to learn anything about Tommy Robinson, there's a really good podcast called Behind the Bastards where they go in depth on him. And, they, and he's just a complete charlatan. He'll go wherever the financial... Situ- for his own financial situation will go. And he's not this working class here. He, you know, he grew up, his, 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 I think his family had quite a bit of money and stuff. Yeah. He, he was, he's, he's just an absolute charlatan who... What was it you said about him? What did I say about him? <laughs> yeah, but it's soys. <laughs> oh, also, well, how the fuck... He's five foot six. Let's stop acting like he's tough. It's like the same way what Joe Pesci's tough in Home Alone. The, why is this... He's not... He's st- Let's stop acting... Like it's being led by Anthony Joshua. It's a five foot six man. Was, I, I could go in the deep end of a swimming pool and he wouldn't be able to get me. <laughs> I could I could just walk into a bit of water and there'd come a point where he'd have to tread it and I'd just dunk his head under it. But like I, I would be fine. Okay, before anyone started, it would knock you out, maybe, but I would just, I'd go, I'd just, you know. <laughs> I don't. I, look, if you're a fascist, you need to be able to reach the top shelf at Sainsbury's. <laughs> you can't be a fascist and sit there and go, "Do you mind getting the Cheerios for me, mate?" <laughs> Do, maybe that's how the, our producer Pete just showed. <laughs> that's very. That's how the Zeke Kyle happened. <laughs> <laughs> Hitler was actually five foot six as well. He was in the happened. German Lidl. I can't. Get the fucking toilet roll. <laughs> <laughs> and then his followers thought, oh, we better copy what he's doing. <laughs> but but also, like, there's, there's this British there of these guys climbing over with Palestine flags, climbing over like a war memorial. And I think that's equally as stupid as well, because I don't think you're, I think you just make your side look silly when you do things like that. I don't think, I think it's, I think most people are also aware that, I don't know how many people were there. <clears throat> Let's say 300,000. That seems like a low estimate, but the cops said that. And I know the cops were quite well inclined in some ways to push the march because Suella Brahman had annoyed them. But let's say 300,000, let's say, at least that. So of that, the odd picture of someone with a Palestine flag on a war memorial, it's so little compared to the other, the crazy one. We saw the 
March. We saw the side we of it. We saw that most people went on it and then went home and didn't drape a Palestinian flag over War Memorial. Whereas we also saw that of the, I don't know, 500 people that turned out from the other side, almost all of them went rampaging down the street and giving interviews where they went, Oh, boy, fucking country, you fucking you fucking you. And yeah, they're fucking idiots and people saw them as idiots. Yeah. But if your side, if your if if your side, if then a few of you behave a certain way, that's how it's going to be perceived because of social media. People will put that video up, people, and that's how it will eventually get seen. There might there might have been one or two. There was, I, I there think was it was the, there was loads of videos of that. You there was a, there wasn't that. loads. There was there was. I've seen them. <laughs> what? What were they shouting? There was, a, there was a guy who started talking about how who just went up and gave an interview, like very just like going, "Yeah, Hitler was right." Just started giving one. He went of those. up and gave an interview saying Hitler was right. Well, you say you you're, you're acting surprised, but the video is out there. <laughs> but you're because you're really left wing, you don't think your side does bad things. No, I do think my side does. It. What are you talking about? Because I'm left you're, wing, you're, I know you're for happy. fucking fact that my side does about 20,000 stupid things a day. Don't, I don't, don't seem surprised when he, when Jeremy Corbyn, who is the fucking... Jeremy Corbyn gave an interview to Piers Morgan, which was a, pretty much a model of our not to give an interview. I'm not, I, <laughs> it was the worst interview. It was the I've worst interview. It was like someone going for an interview for a job as warehouse mani- manager in Morrison's. And when they say... Do you uh, do you feel that you really uh, would do a good job as warehouse manager in Morrison's going, I'm not going to answer that question. I think the actual question that we need to answer is why are you an arsehole? You claim to be able to manage a warehouse, but your warehouse is a fucking disgrace and always has been for a period of 200 years. And you should be in the Hague warehouse manager that would be better than jeremy corbyn and i speak to someone who knows him and i campaigned for him but that when he was asked oh hamas a terrorist organization by piers morgan and let piers morgan if you let piers morgan get the better of you that is like being drawn against crew alexander in the first round of the cup and they send out their children and you lose it was it, it makes you realize the genius of trump do you, do you see what I'm saying? No, Trump, I don't see the two things follow. No, because Trump in interviews would give an answer that was not, he would he would be asked something about his past, about something he said in his past that was outrageous and he would make it funny without him not even realising he's being funny. Yeah. So like when he was asked that thing about, here's, here's these things you've said about women and he went, no, 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 I said that about Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> That's a funny line. <laughs> That's a funny, that's the genius of Trump. But Jeremy Corbyn, he could do with a little bit of the Trump about him. I think a, I think a, a Trump-Corbyn strategy, you know, this, okay, well, this, well, there we are. Thank you very much, Elliot Steele, for uh, taking part in the, um, in, in this week's What the Fuck is Going On. The moment at which my entire credibility with the left was destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. Take four years off work and study every single punctuation mark until you've learned to write reviews. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. 
and we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter for as little as £2 a month and get early access to ad-free, ad-free and extended versions, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? Was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Andy Zaltzman and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander, Andy Zaltzman and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. And What the Fuck is Going On was brought to you by WTF Productions.